You're listening to a Destiny Park Media Podcast. Shut the door, have a seat. Welcome to Dad Men. My name is Michael Rowland. My name is Mike Jowler. And we are the Dad Men. Uh, if you want to know why we have that name, you can check out the trailer episode we put out. Uh, yeah. That sort of gives a rundown of who we are, why we are, when we are, and uh, our goals for the podcast. But we can we can chat a little bit about it here, just a bit. Yeah, just a little bit in our love for the show, and you know, between you know me and Mike. Uh, or Roland, as we call him, uh, <laughs> we uh, yes. we kind of we kind of look at Mad Men uh, to be one of the probably one of the best shows in television, if not the best show in television. You agree? I agree, hundred um, percent. These characters are my friends, uh, <laughs> so so much so that I tried to make them my Zoom background, and it was, uh, <laughs> it was disastrous. I it was a green screen. No but, real green screen, so it's a little choppy. But uh, we, you will, you you will be seeing it eventually in the show. We, we will pull you know, it back out as soon as we have any profit from this thing. It's just going <laughs> to the green screen. That's that's the bottom line. Absolutely. Uh, but but no, Mad Men has always had a special place in my heart. I I do genuinely love the characters, um, and I think it it taught me a lot about like mental health. Yeah, and relationships yeah for sure and uh i uh, it's such a deep and rich show that i think a lot of people can only skim the surface of it and not really pick up on the subtle nuances of the characters and they're it's it's just a wonderful wonderful program i could i could go on all day about it that's why i had to make a podcast absolutely that's why we're doing it Mm -hmm. the well-written layered character show um yeah just and set in the you know in the in the nineteen sixties, they say it starts in March nineteen sixty, and okay. the show this I I don't want to I don't know if this counts as a spoiler, but it it just ends in nineteen seventy. That's all I'll say. Yeah, perfect. Uh, so it's it's a period piece, but ten year span. What we have discovered is uh, it it also says a lot about our times, our modern times, and. Uh, it aired from 2007 until 2015, and it also said a lot about that time period, too. We're going to get into all sorts of uh, timeline shenanigans. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but it's just it's weird because it's such a period-focused show, and yet it's timeless. Uh, the narrative is timeless, and it's just a classic story. So I do want to say that... If you if you haven't watched the show before, don't be scared. We're not going to go into like deep spoiler territory. Yeah. Yep. Try to avoid that. This is a podcast that welcomes all types of uh, watchers. It also welcomes the uh, the people who have seen the show already and are like, "I know what's going to happen. I'm so smart." You know? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, it's it's cool. You're welcome too. Just don't spoil it for everyone else. We're going to yep. have moderated moderated comments, so don't try to spoil it for people because we'll zap you. Yeah, okay. but you keep you keep quiet, veterans. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're gonna have the most heavily moderated section <laughs> in all of podcasting. Just That's policing. what people are gonna know. Yeah, and 
if anyone even alludes to future events, I'm going to banhammer them. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> yes. But <laughs> uh, so, Jala, what do you say we start the first of our ongoing segments? This is called the 30 second summary. Um, and the way we're looking at it is uh, it's 30 seconds to talk about everything that happens in the episode. As, and, as uh, good as memory serves. <laughs> yes. And uh, we watched, we both watched it today, right? So hopefully memory serves us well. Yeah. 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 I'm sure, I'm sure I'll miss a few little pieces, but I'm going to, I'm going to try to get the gist of it. Um, just yeah. a little fun, fun little speed, sp- speed round of, uh, of episode one. Well, here's the thing is that AMC used to have like the funniest episode summaries when you would look up on the guide on your TV, mm-hmm. it would be like, Don has to solve a problem. And Peggy has drama with a client, you know. St- That's really, it, really vague. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really vague. It's uh, a two-liner. Stuff that it's not even... Well, and then there'd, there'd be a third one, like Roger uh, goes out for dinner. And it's like, this isn't really getting me pumped up for the episode. <laughs> but it's also <laughs> not spoiling anything, so that's kind of cool. Um, you want to hear something fun, speaking of, speaking of uh, those one-liners... If you check the IMDb, this is the mini synopsis of the first episode of Mad Men uh, titled Smoke Gets in Your Eyes. It says, New York City, 1960s. In the ego-driven golden age of advertising, everyone is selling something and nothing is what it seems. Dun, dun, dun. That seems (laughs) more... Yeah, that seems like it's for a dramatic show. I mean, I I know. It is a dramatic show. But, um, you know... This is a very open-ended... This could be talking about just the whole show in general. But, yeah. Um, My favorite is for the series finale for an AMC show. They just go... Uh, <laughs> you know, a series of events that has occurred over time <laughs> brings, you know, this, brings this character's journey to a close. And I'm like, oh, all right. Mm. I know what I'm in for. Fancy. <laughs> the last episode, in other right. words. <laughs> right. So, Jala, whenever you're ready, I'm going to hit that stopwatch, and I'm going to give you 30 seconds. All right, man. It's not, just, it's not going to be Jala every time. We're going to switch off. Don't worry. Yeah, back and forth. I'm going to start okay. first. All right. Three, two, one, go. All right. Uh, episode opens. Uh, love the, ep- the intro episode, actually, or the intro segment. It actually talks about the term coined... Um, uh, Mad Men in the late 1950s described as an, <clears throat> uh, the advertising biz um, and uh, the Mad Men coined it themselves. Um, Don's sitting at a table <clears throat> talking to a man about uh, cigarettes. Um, Notice he wasn't got, racist. We hit 30 seconds. We oh, 30 we did? Seconds. No way! Yes. Holy shit! Yes. <laughs> we hit 30 seconds. We spent most of it we spent most of it, well, you spent most of it talking about the intro card. Yeah. The- <laughs> oh, oh, shit. 30 seconds really yeah. goes by fast. Yeah, it so does. That's, that's right. a true speed round. So what I'm going to do. <laughs> I can go now if you if you want to do it for me. We could we could see if I can get through it. Uh, how would you break down in 30 seconds? It'd have to be maybe five lines. It'd have to be yeah. Don talks about Lucky Strike, why people love smoking. Talks about happiness in advertising. Peggy's enters the workplace with Joan as her lead. 
Uh, yeah, there's a lot that goes on in the first episode of Breakdown in 30 seconds. Holy shit. It's cute, though. It makes it more, it makes it kind of fun. Like, if you actually have bullet points, you can really pick out the bullet points you want for it. Yeah, I don't, I, it doesn't have to be perfect. Okay. Thing. Do you want to, do it. you want to retry? I mean. Sure, I will. Okay. All right, I am going to hit the timer here. Okay. Um, the last one was 30 seconds and 89 milliseconds. I'm going to reset it. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's let's give you another shot here. Uh, no. <laughs> that 30 seconds goes by so fast. Yo, that was so. insane. That was insane. Okay, cool. <laughs> All right. Three, two, one, go. Okay. Intro, Don. Sits at the table, talks about why people love cigarettes. Um, also in the episode, Peggy makes her uh, new job into the ad company that Don works at. Joan is her basically her mentor through it all. Uh, we see Pete, and he's about to get married. Uh, also, Don, Pete, and uh, Peg, or Peggy all meet in the same uh, office together. Um, toward the end there, we get to uh, Don giving his pitch about Lucky Strike. Um, stumbles at first, but nails it in the second before they leave. Um, at the end, Don goes home and is revealed that he has a family and children. All right. So you got it there in about, I'd say, a minute, which is all good. Damn. It's, it's okay. You got, you got all of it. That's pretty good. <laughs> I, I skipped a lot of shit, but... <laughs> but I've you had got this, the main, uh, the the main, main beats. points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a tough segment. I'm scared to do it for myself. Holy shit. I'm thinking, as I'm watching, I'm like, I'm watching you, and I'm like, oh, I can do that. I can do that. That's <laughs> but that's how I that's how I feel when I'm watching people doing athletic stuff too. I'm like, oh, I can do that. And it's yeah, like, I, I kind of feel that way sometimes. <laughs> oh, so I got when that I, through a minute. Damn, that's cool. Yeah, I should I have a cl- I should have a clock on my on my own self. Yeah, yeah. For all for all you know, it was only like 15 seconds, and I'm right. lying to you. We're, we're we're just shaving. No, no, it'll just help me. It'll help me like speed. I got a speed talk. <laughs> You're you're gonna be training for the next episode. Your your wife's yeah. gonna hear you in the bathroom saying, She'll be like, yeah, who's, "Who's Joan?" <laughs> right, Joan's there. Peggy. Peggy's there. Uh, they meet at the office. But, yeah, but yeah, um, good good job. Uh, you hit the main beats. Uh, what you. an episode! What oh, an episode! Fantastic. So, uh, I think we can get to our first official segment now. Now that we've covered the basic stuff that happens in the episode, and we'll, yeah, yeah, we'll dive deeper this first segment is called the carousel nostalgia it's delicate but potent sweetheart and it's about um what we remember when we first watched the episode and how how the episode feels today because uh nostalgia plays a big part of the show and um it's it's also a big part of watching the show now after it's been it's been uh, off the air for more than five years and for sure. uh, this episode is fifteen years old about so yep um, I guess for me the thing that has changed a lot about this episode is uh, I used to think of it as like the weak link in in the whole series um, mm, okay as you as you mentioned. Uh, it's it's a focused it's an episode that's focused on Don. It starts out with him at the uh at this big smoky 
bar or dance hall. I can't really tell. Maybe just a club. Um, right. But it's a really beautiful intro to the character. And uh, right away, he he illustrates why he is such a beloved character by uh, America. And that's because <laughs> he like he talks to the person who's serving him and, and who lights his cigarette for him, I believe. Yeah, that's that's my memory. Yeah. Um, he talks to this black server and the guy is just you can see on the guy's face. He's kind of scared that this white patron at this wealthy club is talking to him. You know? Yeah. Very timid looking <laughs> face. He's like a, definitely an older gentleman, older than Don for sure. And he's kind of like uh, not turned off, but he's kind of just like he doesn't really know what to do in the situation when he's being kind of spoken to without any, you know angle or disrespect or something like that so well and i think that guy, that actor who played the server um did a great job he he's an awesome actor because that that face tells a story where maybe wealthy people in the past wealthy white people right. have talked to him and then they didn't like what he had to say and right he got in trouble let um, alone ask him what he thought of something by the way right yeah you you know they're they usually don't ask black people what they think in the 60s. Uh, right. <laughs> um, or any time before that. <laughs> I, think, I think, well, yeah, yeah, that, that too. Um, right. Don, he shows that he's legit by um, all of a sudden this big burly white guy comes out of nowhere and says, I'm sorry, is Sam bothering you, sir? Uh, he can be really chatty. And right, right. Don says to him, you know, oh, no, we're just having a conversation. Is that okay? And so he puts it on the line to the to this guy, and that's when Sam starts to trust Don and says, "Okay, this guy's kind of cool. All right, All right I'll talk." I'll talk. Right, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's. I remember watching that intro and going, "This guy rules." Um, now he does stuff throughout the episode that, like, it's hard to pinpoint exactly where this guy stands. He's definitely morally superior to a lot of his uh, colleagues. Yeah, but it's definitely. He's also, but he's still of the time. You know what I mean. Still of the time, and he still <clears> has <throat> that line when Rachel Menken, who is a new client for um, for Sterling Cooper potentially, um, which is the place where Don works. Um, she basically is kind of a more modern feminist character. Um, yeah, and she has she's outspoken. She has opinions, and she wants to work with sterling cooper as opposed to the quote jewish agencies you know right, she right. she wants to she wants she has ideas about how this company should run and don he's he's in a panic because he's trying to think of you know pitches for uh for the lucky strike account but right. he still says i'm not going to be spoken to this way by a woman right right uh, so he's not perfect no uh, no definitely of the time definitely of the time but I have to say, Rachel Macon, um, in her scene in that, as well as the scenes that she has a, a little bit later, um, I, I love the I love that character. I think um, I love her how smart she is, and I like her like slick tongue too. Like she seems a lot more sharper than maybe your average woman or even person of the time. Um, Unless you're like really uh, a good talker, basically, you know what I mean. So I, I really, uh, I really enjoy her as a character. I enjoy her smile. <laughs> she has a knowing smile that 
shows she's like two steps ahead of the other characters on the right show. exactly exactly the smarts whether that's it's the wit yeah she's got wit it for sure yeah. um but back to what i said about um why i think i used to think this was like super duper weak um, yeah there's something that happens with a tv show when when you are watching the pilot there's usually one or two lines that are like a pilot is an attempt to get picked up for a full season you know and right when you're trying to reach the studio executives and trying to get out of development hell, which is what happens with a lot of pilots is they're in development hell for years. Right. Um, this, this show was in, it had a long gestation period. Um, there's always going to be little moments in the pilot that feel kind of obvious. Uh, an example for the boys, the first episode of the boys has a line where they're talking about a, the boys is a like nihilistic take on superheroes. Right. And basically like, what if superheroes were as morally gray as cops are in um, in modern America? Yeah, uh, which I love. Or all all I mean, cops were always. Let's not get into it. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, if cops and superheroes were analogous, um, it would fit this way in the show. So so the boys. There's a line in the pilot where he goes, uh, you know, I can't pin anything on him because he was in the middle of uh, the, his line of duty. Soups are like cops. You can't sue them for stuff that happens while they're on the job. And that's like, yeah, that's the whole premise of the show. Kind of right. Right, <laughs> exactly. obvious. But they had to spell it out for the first episode. Um, right, of course. The, the same thing happens here when Pete... Um, there's a moment where Pete... So in that last meeting with Lucky Strike and yep. when Pete starts reading from the research that Don threw in the garbage... Um, in his office, mind you. Yeah. I so the thing that I forgot about was that Pete wasn't even in that meeting with the uh, psychologist lady. No, he wasn't. No, you're right. He was not in there. Yeah. So the thing that I picked up on when we last watched this episode, because we we actually watched it a few months ago together, mm-hmm. um, there's a moment where he tells Peggy to go out and entertain Pete. She says, "Do I have to?" And he says, "I understand your point." Blah blah blah. They right as he says, "You can go ahead and let Mister Campbell in." Mm-hmm. She, she doesn't go out and let Pete in. The door opens by itself. Right, he barges into so, the room. <laughs> he barges in. I am pretty sure he was listening by the door of the fucking weasel. Um, he probably was. That's fun. <laughs> that's, that's a that, that's a good catch, by the way. He probably was just yeah. waiting for his, his his entrance. The whole episode, he's kind of. I think he's worse in this episode than he is in the rest of the series. I really hate him in this. Um, yeah, yeah. Thank you for bringing that up because uh, <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of uh, early P. Campbell, but this episode for sure is uh, shows a lot of his like negative qualities. Mm-hmm. And and that's important. That's important. Um, yeah. But it's just so interesting because he wasn't even in that psychology meeting, the the research meeting, and there he probably was listening to that meeting. Is what I'm thinking. Yeah, he was for probably sure. waiting by the door, um, or or either way, he lurked by Don's office and then said to Peggy, "Oh, I left my ballpoint pen in there," and then <laughs> rooted through his damn garbage. That is right. so fucking gross. He's a weasel. He's a weasel. Or he was he's a, a weasel. weasel. Yeah. Here's the thing, he's actually my favorite character on the show. Right. I love Pete, but in this episode, he is his worst, uh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Definitely one of his not-so-shining moments. <laughs> so, but that's a good part of the pilot. The thing that I don't like is when Pete and Don are talking after P 
Pete's betrayal or whatever you want to call it in the meeting. Right. Pete says, <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I told them how great you were. I've, I'm still tingling. And then Don gets everyone out of the room, basically alludes to the fact that he's not going to be at Pete's bachelor party and says maybe next time, which is one of the most, it's, that could be in the Sterling Gold section of the show. Um, that's one of that's my one of your lines. Don, yeah, that's one of my favorite Don subtle put downs. Maybe next time. Maybe next time. <laughs> Maybe after the divorce, you know. Um, <laughs> but um, the thing is, is there's a line where pizza. He, he I just said pizza. I'm hungry. Um, he says to <laughs> Pete, "I know you're reading off of my research. It's not like there's a magic machine that makes copies of things." <laughs> That's I hate that line. I know, I know so you. Much. I hate it. It's so bad, especially because I guarantee you, in the readers' digests of the time, they were talking about how they're making copy machines. It's, right. A little bit a of line. a background behind that line is uh, for maybe some of the younger people that are listening. The time period of when this was happening was before the copy machine, so yes. there was no copy machine. So when Don's saying. It's not like there's a magic machine that makes copies of things. It's like a weird like joke about how like in the future there's going to be a machine that comes about that copies things. But before that time, there was not there. So I just looked it up. Okay. The copy machine was invented in 1938 Ooh. and went on the market in 1959. <laughs> Ooh, a year so Don before Don. <laughs> It's not like there's a magic machine. And then Pete like holds a finger up. Um, actually, <laughs> Excuse <Don>. me. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. Uh, there is a copy machine. And I did steal your research from the garbage and copy it. And I put it back in the trash. You'll notice. <laughs> oh, that would have been great. That would have been like a nerdy, hilarious interruption you would have gave to Don. But you know what I, you know what I will say? It still doesn't mm. sell it out. It doesn't sell the scene out completely because think about how technology works, especially in the time period of that. People wouldn't be on it the year a new thing came out, especially oh, like sure. the general public. Like this sure. is going to be like very like specific types of people who would have access to even knowing that something like that exists, let alone even be using it before the masses even got a hold of it. So it definitely probably was not in the Zedgeist at the time or whatever the case. Sure, but, but this is a, a high-level office in New York City. That's true, so. and it would be one of the Zedgeist. Yeah, that would be one of the high-level high places that you could probably see and a this, copy machine. This isn't a spoiler. It gets brought up in the show again pretty soon where they have a copy machine right spoiler oh man i just got banned Woo. i just got banned from the podcast get them get them uh, mods get them <laughs> he's out of here you can't get me i created you <laughs> uh, but that is to say i i'm less like i, I could be very nitpicky i could mm-hmm. be very nitpicky in the past I just am not as much that way anymore. So as I watch this episode now, I focus more on the fact that like it's very, very close to being the show that I love. Yeah, um, for sure. For the first first time out of the gate, that's pretty that's pretty damn impressive. Um, Absolutely. The cinematography is just exquisite. It's uh, it's a three million dollar budget, and it's just every penny was well spent. Ooh, Everyone three million dollars. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The costume designs for everyone are fantastic. From from Peggy's first day outfit, which we'll yep. get into Peggy, she's awesome. Oh yeah, um, one of the best. And her to her her little uh, pajamas, 
you know so <laughs> and her hair being down it's just brilliant design work um yeah man i actually i would say that this has aged really well absolutely I, uh, I was very impressed with how it aged and i would say that um i was too hard on it before just because of how great the show becomes right know? right but but yeah it's not it's not the black sheep that i uh made it out to be you know so, yeah mea that's culpa awesome. Yeah, exactly. No, that's 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 awesome. Like, kind of having that perspective uh, now about the episode, and um, kind of coming to terms with being like, you know what, this is this is this first episode is strong. You know, I I also felt um, it was quite strong. <clears throat> um, trying to remember back to when I first saw, um, I remember I just remember the show being really interesting i remember how well i thought the show was shot i really liked the cinematography in it and i really liked uh uh the quotables watching it now though there's so many gems and awesome like lines uh that are in the show um a lot obviously a ton of foreshadowing that's happening in the in the first episode as well um a favorite quote that I like that Don says in the episode, this is uh, after the Lucky Strike pitch and uh, Peggy's in the room with him. She's like, oh, yeah, I heard you, I heard you uh, did a great job. And Don goes, uh, uh, fear stimulates my imagination, which is an amazing line. Amazing line. Um, and that that line is going to be a thing that, continuously comes into play for Don as he's trying to, you know, hit these beats with, 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 with these ad companies and things like that. So it's beautiful. Um, I loved that. Well, go ahead, Mike. Well, I was, I was just going to say that in a way, this episode shows that Don is like a functional alcoholic, you know, because he, he comes into the office being a mess. He is getting, He's getting drinks throughout the whole episode, and it's not an organized way of being. You know, he at the meeting he flounders essentially. It's only based on last minute inspiration that he saves the day. So Absolutely, he's this like superhero that barely pulls shit together. And it's going to be interesting to see how that continues to change throughout the show, or if it stays the same. Or yeah, for but, sure, uh, it just makes me think of you know those people who seem to have it together and have the perfect life i mean the the reveal at the end of his family i Ooh. i knew it was coming but this episode the thing that makes me laugh about it is it really sells you on the idea that this guy is like kind of a bachelor and a free spirit that's the thing that's the thing that's the thing about the the watching it the second time that's not those thoughts weren't had when you watch it again <clears throat> i i noticed like th- it's basically through 90% of the episode, 95% really, um, he's out and about doing work, hanging out with the, you know, um, you know, talking with the guys at work, um, meeting up with Midge, uh, which is one of the characters, uh, that we meet in the first episode. Midge is like (laughs) kind of like his side piece girl or whatever. You don't know that when you're first watching the episode, Right, and then the la- the last five minutes, he comes home. He finally actually heads home because he doesn't go home. Besides that, he heads home, and 
first thing revealed, wife in the bed. Boom, and like, oh, you're like, oh, he's married. Okay, that's yeah. interesting. I th- that what we saw before that the kind of conflicts with his life now. It's weird. And then he leaves that room, goes into another room, got two kids, and then pan yep. out. And it's a, uh, <laughs> it's 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 a big reveal. So I, I really loved what they did with that. Yeah. What I love is that he's like doing the father thing and patting his kids on the head and got the two arms what, out what, on the one one head and the yeah. other kid. Yeah. But mm-hmm. what what Betty doesn't see is um, he has this completely empty look on his face as he's doing mm-hmm. it stares it's like off really harrowing uh um, yeah and what's really sad is we meet betty um after he tells that lady i'm sorry that lady rachel menken <laughs> he tells her love doesn't exist it's just something that they use to sell products you know genius so it's, yeah, it's genius it's just great writing because he so, so he sure. literally tells he if betty saw that she would have been crushed um, oh yeah no 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 it's a crushing thought like yeah, it's, it's a crushing thought to be in a in a in a uh, dedicated family system with kids and <clears throat> and having that thought of love not being real. Um, yeah, it, it it's pretty wild. I mean, and even speaking of that conversation that she ha- that uh, Don has with uh, with uh, Rachel, um, one of my favorite things she said, which I, this is another thing why I love this character. She she basically knows Don. I don't really know how to say it, but like she almost susses him out unknowingly. Like she can read him. Like the facade doesn't phase her. Like she almost 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 in a sense like she knows it's a facade. She tells him, "I do know what it feels like um, to be out of place, to be disconnected." And then she says, "You know, you know it too." Like. As if she kind of knows Don's story already, which is amazing. I, this again, yeah. Rachel Macon as a character, being able to see through some of that, um, some of that big man, big shot, uh, admin guy thing. I think I think is uh, is really amazing. She calls him on his shit, and to a certain degree, Midge does as well, but not to the level of Rachel. I mean, there's no. a reason the show starts in this moment because that's the thing I I was struck by about this episode was that like. It still works, what like knowing everything we know as people mm-hmm. who have seen the whole series. Yeah, it still works for us, and there's still like Midge says, um, "You're lucky that I was awake and that I was alone." And you know she could be saying that because she has multiple people she's seeing, right. or it could be that they're not really together. You know, she doesn't make breakfast. <laughs> That's her rule. <laughs> uh, she doesn't make breakfast. You Which know? is almost like, like saying like she's like I'm not going to be a housewife type thing. Yeah, that's kind of that's also, what kind of felt like to me. I think it's also just boundaries about like not getting feelings and not like doing nice things for each other. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. But we're the last thing I want to say about this episode, and maybe I should save it for my uh, segment. But we can run back. I was to struck. It. Okay, I was the last thing I'll say, and then I'll str- I'll run back to it. Is that during my first watch of Mad Men the series, I thought of I mostly noticed the civil rights stuff. And yeah, the race, the racial relations of the show. But mm-hmm. this time around, I'm noticing more the uh, women's uh, history behind it and the the feminism behind it. There's some Absolutely. really cool, um, like undercurrents of like how how the women's liberation movement is going to change a lot of this stuff. Yeah, to, to even to the way that uh, 
Joan is trying to be as best as she can. She's trying to be a good role model and a good mentor for Peggy. And she's saying stuff that now is just so gross, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, it's basically Joan figured out, Joan basically carved out a pathway for her success in the company the way that she knew how and what worked and what didn't work. And once she figured that out and got to where she got, she was like, okay, take these teachings Give it to the you know the new cast of women that come in. This is how you succeed. This is how you can get by. Like these are some of the tips yeah. you need to know about the people. And some of some of it's good advice about you know having things ready for you know um, the person that the desk you're at. You know having water, medicine, this, that, and a third things that you know guys of the time will need to be sharp or or you know ha- remember that line she says you know they want something something between a mother and uh was it a mother and a waitress or something like that or a I mother that's yeah right i think it's, it's like, a mother and a girlfriend or... yeah something like that it was it was a really sharp line which actually makes you know it makes a lot of sense and um and she was really sharp to notice that no you were right you were right they're looking for something between a mother and a waitress and yeah. the rest of the time, well, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> she's oh, Joan, but Joan's sharp too not, in her own way, man. No, she is. I I have a ton of respect for the character. Um, she's strong. She's strong as hell. She's very um, strong. Very strong character. Very intimidating. The way oh, yeah. this episode is shot, you know, she has so much power over Peggy. But the cool thing that I like is that the most important job, arguably, in the place is being done by these three women. The uh, the call uh, call center call women, them. I think yeah, call center women, yeah. Or well, and, I guess it's uh, not a center, but <laughs> that that would be what we would call it now. Call operators, center I think. Yeah. Operator? Operators, thank you. Yeah. Yes, I think um, that was kind of cool that I never noticed before. Was like that even Joan says i gotta respect these people you know Mm -hmm. there's a certain hierarchy that you can sort of respect at least for the organization of it if not for the like unfairness of the fact that it's it's only women doing this job and then there's no women in upper management and right right certainly not a black person in that office yet no Um, 1960 the elevator guys are are black yep (laughs) and we met oh yeah 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 that the and I think do we see that in the first episode? Do we notice? We do. Was there, okay, he is. Okay. There's there's just a shot of uh, an elevator operator, and then Ken Cosgrove, Harry Crane, and mm-hmm. Paul Kinsey uh, get into the elevator. And one of the cool little like story beats that the the episode does that isn't like super expositiony is they have Ken being a real creep in this episode and talking way too much yeah. about Peggy, and they're yeah. all three of them sexually predatory in that elevator um ken probably have, the most creepy that i've seen is that i remember it's, it's, it's weird he in this in this episode he's also way worse than the rest of the series to the to Absolutely. like the point where he's actually like oh we don't want to get spoilery but anyway he's yeah. he's definitely portrayed as a horn dog and a frat boy here yeah and he has the line compared to campbell i'm a boy scout which is wild. Ugh. Yeah, wild. that's not so good. That means right. that Pete has done some... And he does it at the bachelor party. That scene is so creepy. He goes, see, that's the thing. Especially when you see what Pete does at the bachelor party. And he's kind of pushing up heavy. Not even oh. Ken was doing that. Ken was, no. you know, kind of talking it up a little bit. She, but he... she, she moves to be by Ken. Gross yes. Ken. 
oh. and she moves over. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. Like we mentioned before, um, Pete Campbell is very. He does more of that, but he's. This episode is a lot. It's a. It's a lot of. Yeah. A lot of uh, overexertion of of Pete Campbell and his quote unquote power I think, that he thinks he has. I think it's also desperation because he's never felt like the type of man that Don is. Yeah, absolutely um, not. Absolutely not. And he's about to get married and. He says to poor sweet. Well, we won't say his wife's name because they didn't say it in the episode. No, they um, but but he's he says I'm giving up the rest of my life to be with you, aren't I? <laughs> On <know>? the phone. <laughs> yeah. So he he views this as his last chance to be a cool guy who hooks up with a a random lady, just like he believes Don is doing. You know, he he says as much to Don. He says, Oh yeah, oh yeah. I, I are you uh, getting first crack at her man? Upper management has all the perks, stuff like that. Right. Um, so he's very clearly like desperate and gross and that's i think why he's not like this for the rest of the series it's because we're catching him at a moment where he's like trying to force a victory lap and he really is he's not that guy well done well said (laughs) he's not that guy He, he can't exude like the coolness and confidence to quote pick up and i'm not saying it's cool to pick up random women yeah but this um, is like the thing amongst yeah, the, the 60s or whatever right yeah. i mean even even the, even in even in later times there's always this thing where you're in a club and you're trying to pick yep. up you know trying to find you know pick up a, a, a chick or whatever if, if you're into right. that whole you know um you know dating scene thing so yeah, yeah. I, I follow you on that it's a weird it's a weird scene for pete uh, weird episode for Pete, really, just generally speaking. But um. <laughs> I think that's why most people hate Pete because of this episode. He's awful it's, in it. And... Yeah, he, he gets off on the wrong foot. Not to say that he's like a like he's um, he's beautiful throughout the show, but no, um, no, yeah. But but you start to see who the man is more and more as we go further and further. But again, we'll not get into that. So. Um, he, he becomes i will just say that he becomes as three-dimensional as the other characters in the show but you. right now he's putting up the frat boy front and the you know he left his managers at the uh, managers he left his manners at the frat house as don says which that thank was you, a cool moment you. where he stood up for peggy um yep Absolutely. and she told him thanks for standing up for me <laughs> which is cute that's cute <laughs> and is holding his <laughs> hand uh, uh anyway, oh <laughs> we'll get into that in the other segments but yeah, Absolutely. I would say if we want to get into our ratings, because we're at about 40 minutes here. Yeah, um, for sure. Let's do it. My rating for the episode is like a three and a half Manhattans out of five. Um, we're, we're saying it's going to be out of Manhattans because the show takes place in New York. A yep. Manhattan is a cocktail. They drink a lot on the show. And Absolutely. Mike, what are you drinking? I'm drinking a 19-year-old single malt whiskey um the ice is melted so tis tisk on me <laughs> no that's I, good you gotta stay alert exactly in the and the um a splash of coke in there just so you know fancy uh, not fancy it up down when wouldn't i don't know i actually i don't really know how down feels about coke and uh, whiskey i'm pretty sure he never mixes his alcohol if, I, if i'm mistaken so make it a fool um, of yourself Right. Make, make. <laughs> yeah. What the hell are you doing? Um, the show is basically, it's mostly an avenue for my terrible Don impression. Don, Don, get out of the room. Get out of the room. I'm doing a podcast. <laughs> yeah, Don is actually the producer of the show. 
Yeah, we don't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don Draper is our producer, so yeah. Um, yeah. Very if you ever hear man. someone, if you hear someone clinking a, a glass full of ice and liqueur, that's uh, that's Don Draper. There you go. That's him right now. He's <laughs> he's sort of saying, "Move along, move along. Stop talking about me." Okay, okay. Um, All right, back so, off. But yeah, so I, you got I three point five. I think three point five is fair, for, considering there's some episodes that are just like. And this yeah. is not a slight on this episode, but there's episodes that are just miles above this. Like we are, Oof. we are in for an awesome ride, Jala. Yeah, absolutely, and 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 the listeners as well. I mean, I encourage people that haven't seen the show to either watch the show with us as we go through, um, yeah, because I think that's that's even a fun way to to, to partake in uh, Dadman. But um, three out of five is good. You can have a sort of a parasocial experience with us, where it's like. These are my friends. I know them. We watch Mad Men together. Yeah. Right. We review the show. You know what I mean? talk about, <laughs> We're talk friends. About fun things. Yeah, absolutely. I drink. I drink with them too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Che- yeah. I, I don't have a problem. I don't have a yeah. problem. I only. <laughs> I drink with my uh, digital friends. Yeah. yeah. Don't don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How about how about you? What's your uh, what's your Manhattan rating? Uh, you know, I like I like three point five, but um, to not. To not uh, to not copy, not to say that I don't you know feel a way about copying. I- I'll give it. I don't want to go under that though. I feel like I undersell it. I was gonna say three out of five. Um, okay. I'll go with three out of five. I really like okay. the writing in this. I think it's sharp. Uh, I want to give some. I give my rating a little bit of room for the for the for the for the bangers, but I like your three point five. And I'm gonna go with the three three out of five Manhattan. Cool. On this one. And it's you know it's just an example of how if you loved this pilot, don't worry. That means there's a lot more good stuff for you. Like absolutely, you might be saying, if this is a three, what the? How can there be two levels above this? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> there two <can>. Manhattans. <laughs> Trust me. Trust me. Um, all right. Well, so this is a multi-segmented show. So. Uh, we have a quick one next. This is called Sterling's Gold. Remember, Don, when God closes a door, he opens a dress. And that title will become apparent later in the show. But this is just a brief thing where we pick our, our favorite comedic bit from an episode. Or favorite Sterling line. Because he's, let's face it, he's the funniest character. Um, he is, he is. Do you have a, one off the top of your dome for the your favorite funny bit from the episode? Cause the, I do, man. The thing, is, <clears throat> the thing is, before we get into it, I, I do want to yeah. say... The reason why I sort of balk at calling Mad Men just a drama is because it's also one of the funniest shows I've ever watched. Yes, of course, of course, of course. Not yeah. to we I didn't try to I didn't I didn't want to put it in a box to say it's just a drama, but it of is one not. of the yeah. yeah as, as a muscle, it's one of the strongest muscles. The drama aspect, mm-hmm. um, obviously, the comedy is another another hand. Um, yeah. For me, uh, was an exchange between Don and Sterling. Um, Basically, after the uh, Lucky Strike pitch, Don Sterling's like wowed by it. He gets in the room. He's about to serve and serve them up a drink. Uh, Don goes, "Yeah, I just uh, I just pulled it out of thin air." He says, "Thank you up there." He looks up, and uh, Sterling says, "You're looking in the wrong direction." <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's a which good one. one. Yeah, which is one of my favorite lines. Um, you know. Dancing with the idea, advertising, you know, devil's work, maybe, maybe, maybe a little devil's work, maybe, if you want to be an extremist about it. Um, 
I thought he, yeah. might, he should have been looking at his uh, his dick. <laughs> <laughs> that's honestly what I thought. I didn't, I didn't actually, pick up the hell thing. Like, <laughs> that's, that's, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I like the what dick the hell? one, though. What yeah. the hell's wrong with me? <laughs> you, should be looking at your, uh, you should be looking at your penis, Don. Yeah, man. What? Sure. <laughs> I'm going, I'm yeah. going, where's HR? I gotta go to HR, man. That's yeah. You made me uncomfortable. As if they had exist. HR. I was just gonna say, I don't think it even existed back then. Human resources? What the hell? What is? What the hell does that mean? Yeah. No, that's, that's um, one of my lines. I really like that one. I think it's a that's great a good line. one. Very that's sure. really cool. I um, this isn't my favorite, but I do like this Sterling line. Uh, him saying, "You look like a hundred bucks," as opposed to "You look like a million bucks." You know, that's kinda, <laughs> he's basically saying he's saying you look like shit. Uh, right. I I think I have two favorites. One is. Uh, Don saying to um, Sterling, "You're a whore," and then Sterling just giving a salute. It's just—it's <laughs> so random. Um, no, it's great. I, it's great. It's—it's it's a, it's a great. It's a great seat. I'm going to talk about Pete and Don's relationship um, in the mental health section, but yeah, I my favorite comedy besides the Sterling stuff is uh, I, I think Salvatore is hilarious in this episode. He is really fun. Um, he's, he's Salvatore fun Romano. He's their art director, and uh, I, I think the actor is having a lot of fun playing him. Uh, yeah, 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 for sure. I, I just love his line when Pete says, uh, "Are you seeing anybody, Salvatore?" <laughs> he says, "Come on, I'm Italian. I'm Italian. I'm glad you brought that up because I was going <laughs> to sneak that in." <laughs> yeah, and then uh, he he mentions that he had his neighbor pose for the shirtless picture that he drew for uh yeah yeah that was, camp. that was an interesting one it's he's, no, no spoilers he's bro no funny. spoilers <laughs> no i know but it's he's very funny in this episode and he is he is every line he delivers is really funny um uh, i don't i i, I don't want to spoil anything but yeah but yeah very it'll become fun. more apparent scene. throughout the episode why every line in this episode they're just so much they're, they're leading you somewhere mm-hmm. okay okay um, absolutely but yeah, those are my favorite. I mean, I think the um, the Jewish stuff almost reads like a sitcom where they have to find a Jewish yeah. person that works Very there. Very sitcom-y. Yeah. Because like, uh, Don's like, who are, you, who are you again? Or you are? <laughs> it's almost, it's like something from The Office. Uh, they just needed yes. a scene where the where uh, Don and Roger are talking to the camera, you know, uh, know doing right? an interview. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only one I could find. <laughs> what, do you, what do you want me to say? <laughs> He was in the mail. Yeah, I think one of the edgiest moments in the pilot is uh, when Sterling says, "You know, did have we hired any Jewish people?" I think he says, "Have we hired any Jews?" Uh, <laughs> Don <laughs> and Don says, "Not on my watch. Not on oh. my watch. <clears throat> that's not." And then Roger has a woke moment and says, "That's that's not what I meant." And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was <laughs> it's not very woke. It's actually not woke at all. But I like to imagine. <laughs> Sometimes I like to imagine the characters having these like woke rants all of a sudden. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like Roger all of a sudden going, "Listen, Don, it's really not acceptable that you could say that for you to say that. Uh, you know, they're human beings just like you and me, and they actually just face like a lot of discrimination, <laughs> adversity." Uh, <laughs> Don's just like like wide eyed, like what the hell? What is he talking Sterling, about? Sterling says, "I don't know what just came over me. That was so weird." <laughs> That would be a but hilarious anyway. skit, but <laughs> but yes. yeah, yeah, that's like an SNL skit where like the premise for the whole thing is like the only funny part, and then it just gets old. Right, uh, right, exactly. Anyway, um, but yeah, that's I think that's a good Sterling's Gold wrap up. We we both Absolutely. talked about some really funny bits. Um, so 
we we have two like big segments for the show. Um, one of them is the reason for the name Dadman. Uh, the other one is my segment. Uh, so why am I on this show if I don't have a kid? Well, I don't know. Uh, yeah, you my segment be is here, man. <laughs> <laughs> my segment is called Michael's Mental Health Nook and Pied a Tear. Um, a Pied a Tear is basically like a second home or uh, apartment where people hang out with their uh, second, well, with their mistress or whatever the correct term is for it, like uh, yeah. piece on the side, I think you mentioned. Yeah, side piece, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the yeah. modern term. <laughs> so this is the section of the show where I, I talk about a relationship on the show and uh, talk about how things could have been resolved more productively. Um, and I, I also want to talk about mental health stuff. So... Sure. There wasn't really much mental health stuff to get into in this episode. Um, I do, I do wish that Peggy had had more self-esteem. Um, she, she was, she went through hell in this first day, man. I mean, she's being told by everybody that she's not good enough and she needs to change herself. So when Pete comes to her door and says, "I wanted to see you," like her heart just melts, and it's what she's been wanting all day is someone to. You know, if you think about it, they've both just been embarrassingly rejected by someone that they don't even really care about. Yeah. But it just, they're so, they're both <clears throat> so hurt and desperate that they, they come together in that yeah. imperfect union. Um, the other thing I want to talk about is <clears throat> Pete and Don in this episode. Um, this is sort of a carousel type of thing, but I remembered it being more like Don hates Pete in episode one. But... In actuality, there is a brief moment of like tenderness where Don says, "I'm sorry for being hard on you." Yeah. Like he, he, and he does say to him, "Like I'm just really stressed out." And it's like, yeah. oh wow, he really was giving Pete like his version of like thoughtful and good advice when he says, "You can't hurt like you can't malign someone's reputation on their first day here. It's a small world in advertising. If yeah. you're not careful, you're going to end up in a corner office alone and bald." Yep. No, you know, because and nobody no will like you. you. Yeah. <laughs> right. He, I do think that that is like, I used to read it as like, Don hates this motherfucker. But <laughs> right now it's like, I think he is trying to reach this kid and stop yeah. him from like ruining his life. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And I just, I wish that Pete had taken that like more constructively. Um, Big father it seemed, energy he gave him. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the weird thing is, is that like, I think Pete gets too eager and says, when he says, I'm having a hard time with this account, it's Pete's eagerness and saying, uh, you'll think of something. A man like you, I'd follow into combat. And I know I'm not the only one. Am I right, buddy? And he holds <laughs> out his hand. hand out. That's when Don gets pissed because Pete is like being a sycophant and not really listening to him, I think. Yeah, yeah. But then it, he hurts it, It's Pete. a little bit of both, I think. Like, obviously he feels it. But he's kind of playing it up a little bit, so he doesn't like seem soft. Yeah, he he basically hurts Pete really deeply at that point, and then Pete right. says, "Q, <laughs> my brother <laughs> Joe and I have talked about how in order to get past the censors, it seems like they had Vincent Carthizer, the brilliant Vincent Carthizer, say Q, and the the fuck is silent. So when he says fuck you, it's more Q, <laughs> Q, Q. Um, That's a sound effect." He, it's just it's just a communication breakdown at that point and Pete 
you know, for the rest of the episode, he is a mess and stealing from Don's trash. And uh, I, I just wish those two could have seen eye to eye. The other thing I just want to say is um, the rom- the romance portion of my talk is very simple in this episode. Fellas, it's not right to cheat on your wife. Uh, wait, 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 Mike. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't throw the bathwater out. It's not or right. The baby? Yeah, the baby out with the bathwater. That's the phrase. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but I think it's it's very wrong to cheat on your uh, your wife. Yeah, that is uh, that's definitely a cardinal sin. <laughs> <laughs> if we believe the uh, the commandments, uh, <laughs> those those ten commandments, that's right? actually one of them. Um, that is that's true. That is but true. that's the easy part. I have the easy job of just saying, Don shouldn't be cavorting around new york with all these women he should be at home um well my grandma taught me not to make should statements but i think uh i personally think don would be better served going into couples counseling with betty uh, and working on their issues right instead he he lives in escapist fantasy life where he has yeah 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 multiple emotional attachments to all these different people that he thinks one of them might save him they might fill this this empty hole or empty void in his chest, but these women can't fix him. Yeah, He's... exactly. And we only get a small glimpse of that in episode one. Like, yeah, we start to see some of the inklings of that, and uh, as we go as we go further, we, you know, things will unfold um, with that. Well, the way I see it is the one of the great things about the pilot that I didn't touch on before is that like. One of my favorite things in a TV show is when a finale makes it seem like the show is going to continue on without yeah. us watching it. Yeah, I feel sure. like we are we're catching a show in progress almost, or it's like we can imagine what Sterling Cooper was like before we started seeing it. So I do love that. I do love that about the episode. It's kind of you you get dropped into the world. It's not like here's yeah. the intro story to his life or whatever. We're, you know what I mean? Which is great. Each, like I, each, I love that. Each one of these characters, we have all sorts of questions. Like with Peggy, I'm like, how did she get here? Like, right? She That's says actually she, a good question. She, she says she's from secretary school, but how did she get to secretary school? Like, what right. brought this clearly shell shocked young, uh, naive girl to from you know, the big city? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, um, so that's my uh, pied-à-terre slash mental health nook. Um, now we've been talking about Mad Men a lot, Jala. Um, yes, we have. You you pitched this idea to me, and I love it. So it's time for some shows have an ad break. We have a dad break. Cue okay. music. <laughs> Cue music. All right, Stu. By the way, uh, I do want to say Stu Rosenberg did the music for this show. He's a genius. And uh, shout out to Stu, Stu, man. Yeah. Shout out. Appreciate the work, man. Beautiful music. Dad break. We're into dad break. So as a quick dad break uh, off the show. I want to talk about, this is actually something I didn't uh, tell you beforehand. I want to talk about the talks that have been going on about the the decline of Netflix. Oh, okay. And, uh, which I guess is fitting because when I first saw, you know, it said in the trailer, when I first saw the show, um, it was on Netflix uh, before I... Things happened with uh, with uh, the streaming platforms, and everyone started kind of creating their own and bringing their shows to their own streaming platform. Um, 
a lot of talks around the decline in Netflix. A lot of people blaming the fact that Netflix doesn't have enough solid scripted shows. So, I agree with that to a certain extent. Not fully, though. Uh, there is one guy that I'm a huge fan of who has a script game show unlocked, at least for the horror fans or whatever you want to call it. Um, thriller, horror fans. Uh, I mentioned him when talking with people. Um, big fan of the show uh, Haunting in Hill House. Yep. Um, as well as Haunting in uh, Bly Manor. Yeah, and, Mike, Fl- uh, Mike Flanagan, right? Is that his yes. name? Yes, the man behind the shows of The Haunting in Hill House and The Haunting in Bly Manor, as well as the newest show, um, uh, not Black Mass, Midnight Mass. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's doing some of the best scripted stuff for Netflix. And I think the issue behind maybe people not realizing that is I don't know if it's being advertised or being pushed as much as it should. Um, I think he's a gem that Netflix has. Uh, I'm pretty sure he has like a deal with them because like he's got many shows um, coming that are going to be coming to Netflix um, exclusively. And um, when you have a, a such a sharp writer like uh, uh, and creator um, like uh, Mike Flanagan, um, you got to kind of prop it up a little bit, like. It would be it would be silly not to advertise one of your best creatives on your platform if he's going to be the one that's creating some of you, some I believe some of your best scripted work. Um, I guess when you look at places like HBO, um, they HBO hardly misses with scripted. Um, they constantly have mini series or like full series that keep everybody kind of enthralled or is part of the Zed guys a little bit as far as TV TV shows that you have to watch type of type of viewing or whatever and um, they kind of make you wait um, for each episode which is kind of the old style way and Netflix kind of created this binge style where they kind of give you everything where you can watch all at once um, and that's also kind of been a critique I think uh, people have kind of talked about with Netflix thinking that they should maybe move away from the here's everything watch it now and go back to maybe a more solid couple of episode sprint you know like bursts so that people can kind of catch along and kind of be the talk for like weeks on out versus being like you gotta binge the show and then people just pick when they want to watch it and you know kind of talk talk amongst themselves about it so that's kind of the Kind of what I wanted to bring up aside from what we're talking about in scripted TV in general. How do you feel about Netflix and their quote-unquote decline and, you know, maybe how their scripted space isn't as strong as some of the other streaming services um, that are out there right now? Well, I'm glad you brought this up. Um, First, I do want to say you you went into more depth about Mike Flanagan in the uh, ITPNT episode you did, um, which is for sure. It's out right now. it's uh the other thing i want to say is that i have been someone who's been critical of netflix for the past few years i'd say okay Um, so you were on it already i uh i totally agree with the idea that like the issue isn't that there's no good content on netflix 
the issue is is that I think there's too fucking much stuff going on on Netflix. Um, right. There's way too much. The right. the program is terrible uh, um, mm-hmm. at getting the right content to you. Right. Uh, for an example, Kyle Mooney, who's uh, from SNL, one of my favorite mm-hmm. actors, has done one of my favorite movies called Brigsby Bear. Um, he had a show called Saturday Morning All-Star Hits, one of my favorite TV shows of last year. It was on mm-hmm. Netflix. Okay. I never, I never saw it on the main page of Netflix. I had to know about it ahead of time, right? And search for it, you know. Right. Um, so there is a Mike Flanagan on Netflix, sure, but there's lots of stuff that like really doesn't cut the mustard. Uh, right. Or no, let me try it again. It doesn't pass muster, is what right. it, the issue is. Um, there's so much they greenlight. They seem to greenlight everything. And then they also cancel shows really quickly, which is weird because yeah, I don't like that. The streaming platform is supposed to have more security than a like traditional a network. network. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And then it it probably makes creators really pissed when you see like this season Stranger Things each episode costs thirty million dollars, and then somehow they're like, oh, by the way, we're shutting down our animation division and just getting rid of all this shit that. Like it's so hard to find animation work nowadays for people, and now wait, did they actually do that? They actually cut the animation. Yeah, yeah really. They, they have canceled like a ton of movies and wow. TV shows, including like a Jim Henson, uh, <laughs> Dark Crystal type of thing. Um, That's crazy. So yeah, I, I it's the issue isn't that like there's no good Netflix shows, but I think the thing is is they've been too big to fail for such a long time that they got complacent with their content and they said all right let's just fucking see what works and then we'll just cancel this beloved show because it doesn't do as well as stranger things and squid game you know they're, they're focused on the big hits and then they let the uh critical darlings and the fan favorites die and that's what frustrates me about netflix is that yeah one i'm with you on the, that the algorithm is shit two yep good content isn't like made Push to, to the last forefront. over there yeah, yeah. It, it's they, they just care more about like the big hits and then no i think what you talked about with hbo max is a good point because hbo max doesn't have a lot but no the original shit that i've seen on there i'm like i respect i respect this so much more than like the, the other thing I, i'm a broken record about this this is your segment so i won't talk for no much no longer. i want us to go back and forth with it i, I think that'd be nice <laughs> um I think binging is terrible for consuming art. Uh, yeah, I think that I feel you on that. Like, it's better to pace yourself and like give yourself a chance to digest. Right. Um, every single thing I've ever binged, I don't remember. That's mm. that's maybe a personal problem, but I no, I, I bet that's true. There, I hear all my friends going, "Oh yeah, you should totally binge this. Oh, it's good for a binge. Oh yeah, I I binge this and yeah, it's fun. It's okay." Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's whatever. But meanwhile, there's other shows that like, I, I don't know, man. For me, the whole thing that makes TV an interesting format is the idea of not watching it like a movie and being able to see it from start to finish right away. There Absolutely. is a period of time where something percolates in, in your brain and you like, you're like, did I like that? I don't know. I, I What's going to happen next? I don't know. Right. There's right. a mystery element. We're like, if I watched Twin Peaks: The Return, for example, in one mm-hmm. go, yeah, it's it just wouldn't. I wanted to watch it in one go, but I had to wait for David Lynch to give me permission to watch <laughs> each episode. Um, 
I may sound like a boomer, but I truly believe that binging is really bad for like retention of media and artwork. No, I, and I think you're right. I think you're right. I think and I right think that, that you know the Disney Plus thing and the HBO Max thing. You you agree, right? That like the cultural conversation about those shows is ten times better than the oh yeah the stuff oh, on yeah. Netflix. Yeah, it's, oh yeah. It's just it's it's. I mean, that's the proof right there. It's that Netflix has these giant like weekends where everyone talks about something. And then, like, maybe a week of memes. And mm-hmm. then it's like, all right, well, I'm that's never going to financially recover from this. All right, that's funny. Let's move on. <laughs> right. And by the <laughs> way, they're like... having less and less of those moments. And that's mm-hmm. that's what people have kind of been noticing. Like, I think the last thing that we, aside from, I think they're, they're spending a lot of money on reality TV. Yeah. They, they've really pushed a lot of budget and money away i think from scripted and and a lot of that a lot of the looks that they're getting now is coming from the reality tv shows that they've been producing i hear more about the reality tv shows that they've done in the recent uh, recently than any of the scripted stuff that they've worked on like the last scripted thing that they were doing was uh that was of note that i that i recall was the cowboy bebop and they canceled it you like that's one of the shows that that, that was canceled the live action the live action Cowboy Bebop show that was on Netflix and they canceled it after the first season because you know fans are going to be fans and you're going to have some lukewarm takes or some lukewarm feelings about a live action masterpiece um that that was the anime Cowboy Bebop but i i you know me being a huge fan of the show myself uh the huge fan of the anime myself I don't think it's worth canceling something on the first go. Like, yeah. if you want to, if you want to do the show, and you're putting money, then do the show. Like, don't cancel it after one swing because some people don't like it. Like, right. get better. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's the thing is, it's just it feels like a complete waste of the creative's time and just like gutting because there's I, everything that I've seen in the show may be cringe, but well, I haven't seen the full show, so I can't comment. But Right. I know lots Me of neither. people who are. I know lots of people who are deeply disappointed by it not being picked up. So it's like, mm-hmm. and I, I think I, they don't release their fucking numbers is the other thing. So nobody knows how good something is. We have to take their word. Oh, right. this is the number one show. Trust us. Okay, I guess we'll just <laughs> trust corporations. Um, right. I guess. I'm not a huge fan of capitalism. I'm. I'm not going to get too political. But the thing I would say is, the one tenet of capitalism that I agree with. Is that competition is good? Um, yeah, absolutely. And I think if Netflix is meant to last, having multiple streamers is going to be good for Netflix because there was a time when they were putting out like a, a decent amount of material that was good. Uh, yeah, they were. They were. It, they weren't like this super juggernaut content proliferating monster that they are now. Um, yeah. So I think it's good that. HBO Max and Disney Plus and Disney Hulu. Plus is a big one. Mm-hmm. Hulu, Hulu is good too. Scripted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, scripted. They're gonna they're gonna have to earn people's subscriptions back. I recently unsubscribed from Netflix. Uh, actually, you know what? My mom recently unsubscribed from Netflix. To be fair, I I unsubscribed right. two years ago. So. Oh, okay. Um, so you were already off. Yeah, I said, listen, guys, there's gonna be. <laughs> There's going to be a mass drop off when, once this Ukraine thing happens. And then everyone said, what Ukraine thing? And I said, I can't tell. I can't tell you. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's terrible. No, I understand. <laughs> I understand. No, but um, 
that yeah, I I understand. People are starting to get the picture. I still have faith that they have again, like we said, good content there, not being pushed to the forefront. Stop canceling shows so early and give give creators a chance and start actually pushing the material up so people can actually see what's going on. Be smarter so. with your resources. They're, they're, they were so stupid with their resources. Like Stranger Things is a fun show. I I liked the first season, but mm-hmm. it's gotten to a point where it's thirty million dollars an episode. And I know I already brought that up, but it's just ridiculous. Like yeah, what it's a fuck? lot of money. It yeah. made a lot of money, but I I think. Um, Again, I, not everything is going to be a hit off the bat. Sometimes you got to let some things marinate a little bit. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, you want to go for a like, star quality show, but and sometimes that'll show initially from the beginning, but sometimes you got to grow into it a little bit and uh, let people kind of find their way to it. So, I don't know. Yeah. That, NBC, that NBC yeah. was notorious for canceling things. Well, Fox was more notorious, but Fox gave Arrested Development three seasons, you know? like Right, exactly. Give gives shit a chance to stick, um, right? Thank you. Um, but yeah, that's that's the dad break, and it was a nice dadly discussion about Netflix. I like that. Um, Absolutely. Now that we've done the dad break, it's time for the headlining act of the show. Uh, this segment, Jolly, you can introduce it. It's your segment. This is Jolly's fatherhood corner. <laughs> mm. With me, Mike Jalla. <laughs> <laughs> Good, yeah, yeah. And, and I'm not in it. I'm not in it. I'll get out of here. No, 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 no. I, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about some. Um, I'm gonna talk about the unique relationships um, that not only Don has with his actual family as a true father to two children and a husband, but um, the relationship that he has with his two work children that i noticed throughout the show which is his work son p campbell and his work daughter peggy olsen so to start it out um don's out late um with uh midge this is before you know that he has a wife and kids he's out late Probably didn't say goodnight to the kids that night because he was he stayed over, stayed stayed the night at um at Midge's house. This move, as you mentioned before, it's a tiss tiss. Not a great move. Not, not great. Not only because he's doing he, he he's cheating on his wife, but also not great from the perspective that he doesn't even come home. <laughs> he. He stays over and then just goes right to work. So it's like, no good morning to the kids. They don't know where dad is. You know, mom's probably, you know, making up something like, oh, you probably had to work late or he probably slept in the office, etc., etc. Poor Betty's in the dark. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So it, it, it makes it, it makes it, it makes it difficult from a father perspective to have that consistency of like you know where where your kids are wondering where you are you know what i mean especially when they're waking up you know what i mean they see mom dad's not there maybe that's the usual case with you know dads at the time but i feel it's not it's probably abnormal especially even especially for that time period um so from there um we talk about don's business family peggy olsen and p campbell this first episode 
you I don't know if it's necessarily out there that that's what it's going to that 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 relationship starts to blossom a little bit more but in this first episode you kind of get an intro to not only him having his interactions with uh with Pete kind of sunning him a little bit I remember Don was kind of has this fear of like young execs young execs kind of taking over his spot uh Pete kind of brings that up later to Don you know saying oh I do want your job but you know, I also respect you. In in so many words, I also respect you too. And I think that you're great, blah, 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 blah. So you kind of get this back and forth. Um, like you mentioned before, Don kind of giving him some advice to Pete about how how he should be trying to watch out for some of the pitfalls that he might fall into. And I feel that that was Don kind of being having a fatherly talk, uh, so to speak, at least from the intro with Pete um, and kind of letting him know like, you know, you got you if you want to make it far we got to do these things these this way and 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 uh and avoid you know avoid these uh, pitfalls with peggy it's a it's 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 a it's cuter in this first episode because peggy is so new and naive and uh from what joan has kind of given peggy to go on she kind of thinks that she has to kind of come on to don and don did a great um, I, I wouldn't call it a fatherly move, but kind of a great good man move, quote unquote, good man move and kind of canceled that whole interaction. So she puts his, she puts her hand on his hand to kind of lead Don to think like, oh, okay, this is my time where like you can do what you want. If this is what you want, Don stops it right there. Kind of gives it like a stern, like fatherly yeah. talk about how like, He's like, you know, I'm your boss. I'm not your boyfriend. Yeah, not your boyfriend. So we're just going to cut that out right there. Um, Next time, you know, do this and that. Uh, We don't, you know, this doesn't need to go into... Basically saying, telling her, like, we don't need... That's not the relationship we're going to have. Like, that's not... This is not what we're going to do. And Peggy's embarrassed by it, but I think she feels that Don was, like, looking out for her. And I think she kind of just felt overwhelmed by the situation. Kind of felt weird to kind of bring it to that point so he kind of again in a stern way but a but a kind a, a, a kind way telling both of his quote-unquote kids or kids that mind your manners be in your place this is what we're gonna do and this is the relationship we're gonna have and moving forward you kind of see a lot of that so um that's great and again as we mentioned the last few minutes of the episode he comes home. We don't know, but we finally find out that he has an actual wife and kids. The big reveal. Um, he's an actual father. He should be at home taking care of not only his wife, because his wife is just at home. She's a housewife. You know, she's taking care of the kids. Once the kids are in bed, she's just there to herself. Um, he should really be working on that relationship, at least talking about it. Or trying to, you know, find some common ground or, or some new spark or, you know, something like that. Because you feel like in that episode when he's staring off, he kind of lost whatever energy or spark that he felt that he might have had. At least that's what I kind of got. He kind of seemed very distant. Yeah. And in the episode, he's very distant. So, you know, it tells you a lot about kind of how he feels about the, the relationship. So that's kind of my piece on uh, my fatherhood corner. And uh, I love Don. it. 
I love it, man. Yeah. Um, it kind of goes back to the intro of the episode, which is kind of uncharacteristic of the rest of the show, but it begins with a title card that says, you know, a definition for mad men. It's a, it's a term that was coined in the 60s about men that worked in, uh, you know, as ad executives in mm-hmm. uh, New York. It was yep. coined by them. <laughs> um, right. The thing is, is that one of the common themes that you'll see in this episode is that it's about men like mythologizing being a man and it's about women uh of the time spreading that myth as well i mean jones says to peggy don't be alarmed or don't be scared by this technology the men who designed it made it simple enough for a woman to use right it's it's playing into that 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 is basically being fed that narrative about yeah. women and how you know. and also the the mythologizing goes to the Lucky Strike brand where they don't come out and say that their cigarettes don't have cancer um, or carcinogens is that the word yeah yeah the yeah. carcinogens basically they they kind of bluntly saying that cigarettes don't kill you yeah um, you know. This Reader's Digest article has everyone in a tizzy. I like that. That it, it shows how small the world of print and uh, news was where everyone's reading the, the Reader's Digest and everyone's right. hearing about this one story. Yep. Um, but the thing is, is that they're also mythologizing about Lucky Strike, that ours are toasted. Everyone else's is too. But right. for some reason, they get to say before everyone else, ours are toasted. <laughs> right. Um, we don't we don't do the dead stuff over here. It's just toasted. and that fills in the blank of everything else, where the customer says, "Oh, theirs are toasted, and theirs don't have all that other stuff." Uh, right. But uh, yeah, I think you touched on everything really well there, Jala. Um, Thanks, man. Appreciate it. I would just say the thing I would add is um, he mentions you know that there's an executive that is eyeing his office all the time. I'm pretty sure he's talking about Pete in that moment when he's he's yeah. talking to her. I never noticed that before, but on this watch, I did notice that. Um, the other thing is, is that it is kind of awkward for the first time watcher to say, like, "Oh, this is these are his work children," but his uh, his work daughter just put her hand on her, her work dad. <laughs> so I would just say that, like you said, it, it changes from this episode onward, um, and also that's kind of part of the awkwardness of uh, being a dad. There's that one moment where your daughter says. When I grow up, I want to marry daddy. And it's like, what the? Oh, you got to explain. <laughs> what the hell? What does <laughs> but that they mean? don't know. They don't know. Right. They're just kids. Right. But right. it's just, exactly. uh, Peggy's just a kid in that moment. And the she thing is, is that, you, you really see her ch- her childish, not childishness, but her. No, no. She's smart, but she's not yeah. like street smart. Right, right, right. She's naive um, in that sense. I think Don sees that she's had a really hard day. And that's why he has this moment of kindness to her where he says, you know, go home, get your hair curlers in or whatever. And yeah. uh, we'll have a fresh start tomorrow. He actually, I think he's pretty cool in that moment. He could have said, that's a, that's a good point. He, he could have said, what the hell are you doing? Get, you know, don't get out of here again. Get out right. of here. But he's right. pretty chill. All things considered. And again, he, is, he, he, he handles them so uh, in a way softly like, chil- like, yeah. like children. Yeah. He, he basically just tells her, you know, this is wrong for this reason. I'm not mad. I just want, need you to know that we're not going to very... <laughs> do that. Yeah. It's a um, very fatherly thing to do. That that would sure be is. the phrase that's being said. Like, that would you would tell your kid, I'm not mad. Going forward, though, da 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 we're going to do this. Right? <laughs> yes. I, I think the episode does a great job of showing that most men in that office, if Peggy had done that, 
would take advantage of that situation. Let's be frank. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. And they do a good job of showing that and that Don isn't quite like everyone else at the office. He's a little he's a little more complicated. One minute he says, I won't be spoken to uh, by a woman like this. And then the next moment he is standing up for Peggy and saying, you know, don't talk to her that way. Don't malign her reputation. He's a he's I don't know if Don's my favorite character in the show, but he's definitely like earned the right to be the main character because of how He's so multifaceted, and I really respect absolutely. a lot of things about him. So, yeah, um, absolutely. This is our last segment. Um, it's called. It's a short one. It's just called Mod Men, and basically, this segment is just how the issues in this episode are still sort of on the pulse of the issues today, and just the after effects of the stuff that is happening in this episode, and how it relates to today. Um, right. I mentioned earlier that. Uh, this episode was a lot more feminist and, and stuff than I thought. And uh, I think it's really cool to watch this knowing that, uh, you know, there's there was uh, the holiday take your daughter to work day and they, they worked hard to show that like women could work and be more independent and they didn't have to do, you know, just secretary work and uh, yeah. this, that and the other, you know. Um, and this show, you're going to see a lot more strong women in it and absolutely peggy you know she's already really cool in this episode and she went through hell but she's a badass she's gonna get through it um absolutely it's just so tough to watch the uh obgyn scene that's one of my least favorite scenes the show ever did not because it's Mm -hmm. bad but because it illustrates this dude shaming women who are getting the birth control pill and saying I, just being so unprofessional and like tra- traumatizing. Yeah, he's very like he's trying to be like I think he thinks he's trying to be like um not loose but like I don't know how to describe it like I think he thinks he's like being like obviously funny but like he's trying to be like oh you know haha you know like well, playing with he... her basically but he's going like he's actually I guess it's like kind of uh, not passive aggressive but it kind of like fits in that space kind of like he's being He's being stern, but then joking, and then being stern, and then joking, and then like kind of digging, but then like not too go. I got I got two things. One, yeah, he's he's trying to be a father figure type guy, and it's so weird because he has so much power in that moment where Peggy is exposed, her legs are up, she she yeah. has to do everything he says. He has all this power over her in that moment, and he's right like trying to be likable and funny and give her yeah. life advice. It's like, right. It's so unprofessional and rude to be like, I hope that because this is $11 a month, you don't think you need to go out and that's use it a lot. And he says, yeah, I will it. take this medicine away. If you like abuse it, abuse it. F- yeah. No, you're just, right. You're right. That is kind the, of like him trying to be like a, like a daddy ish. Like I'm going to tell you being, how you should be. Yeah. Right. He, right. he really thinks he's being understanding and cool. He's like, oh yeah, I hope you don't become the town strumpet. Fuck yeah, you. I know. It it actually show that that shows like the datedness of the of the talk that he's having with her versus like, you know, modern time. That that really shows its age in that space. Because in yeah. his in his mind in his head, he's like, oh no, I'm I'm being cool about it. Like I'm cool. <laughs> like you can you can take birth control if you want, but I'm just saying blah 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 blah. But like if you think about how he's saying it and the way he's like 
talking to her in that way, it it's completely misses the mark as far as modern thought. Not to get like, and I'm not gonna scorn like you know thinking of the past versus now. We can just acknowledge the difference between the two. Um, right. To bring that up, uh, another thing kind of close to that um, that type of scene would be. Um, I think I I noticed that that um, when you think about people that kind of maybe poo-poo the show or not interested in seeing it because they have this thought in their head that the show is on the surface just some misogynist show about like that degrades women i want people that think that way to not look you you can't it's you again the phrase you can't judge a book by its cover the show actually is a introduction to the rise of women in the workplace yeah. So you have to you have to see it from the intro to get to where we are now. So like the show is not just about them like uh, you know doing this and that and like the women have no redemption. That's not what the show's about. Right. The show has has very strong women characters and you see them at the onset of women in the workplace and how they navigate further up in in the hierarchy of of the company like this is kind of showing you um the some of the early genesis of women in the workplace and how you should follow them on that journey so you shouldn't um down the show because you see or think that it's just about men you know this is like men being men and like there's no like there's no like winner stories on the women's side it's just about them stepping on them and you should accept the show for that so i always thought that that was the wrong way to view the show and agree if you guys are watching along you'll see as we go through the women play such a strong such a strong role i'm not no spoilers but such a strong role in the not only the show but the company as itself so just just a little note and also it's not a misogynist show uh in the same way that breaking bad isn't a pro drug dealing show you know thank you Um, exactly there is a lot of um inappropriate language used about the uh female characters but the show is being critical of that and uh i also want to say that um the male gaze in media is a pretty it's a pretty you know overused thing in uh tv shows from the 2000s and yeah there's maybe like i think maybe like one or two moments where the show does that where like characters are looking at a uh a woman on the show and the camera shows where the guys are looking there's yeah, one yeah, icon- yeah. there's one iconic one with joan but we'll get into mm-hmm. it on that episode uh right but for the most part the camera angles are are filming the women the same way they film the men and it's not like you know the show's being lurid and like we're being you know we're we're treating the women as objects they are right, right. fully um fully thought out and three-dimensional characters that get just Very as much um development as the guys too so Absolutely. if anyone if anyone thinks the show is misogynist well let me tell you i gotta i gotta say i gotta massage a fist i'm gonna, <laughs> <never mind. laughs> I'm gonna hit you right in the right in the kiss you come, you come up with that on the fly? Yes. It only took that's, me 20 minutes that I got there. <laughs> that's pretty good. That's um, pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> we, we mentioned at the top of the episode that Don actually talks to a black man as if he's a human being. Um, mm-hmm. 
And, um, you know, I think that it's, it's going to be cool to see how, uh, African-American people get, get better treated throughout the show. Uh, not as good as they should be. It's not like they, uh, yeah, it's still, it's still the sixties. It's still the sixties to 1970, but, um, right. Mm -hmm. There's, there's still all sorts of microaggressions that go on nowadays with when people talk to black people. But uh, right. right, that's the, that's the word I wanted to say for the doctors. He was doing a lot of microaggressions. <laughs> that's what it was. I I was saying passive aggressive, but I couldn't think yeah. of the actual the right thing. Yes, microaggressions most, would be most people exactly. use that word wrong microaggressions. But he's definitely like uh, saying stuff that is clearly like hurtful and rude but peggy can't like comment on it because they're so small that if she comments on it she looks weird and crazy at the yeah time. she looks like out there like yeah, yeah. exactly but um She's like, yeah i i think it's just um the actual civil rights progress that has gone on since this episode you know in terms of 1960 right it's, it's gonna be cool to see that play out in the show Absolutely, and I got one more piece for Mod Men segment. I um, I also I, I I love this part. Um, talking about old guard versus the new guard. So old guard, yeah. being you know the current kings of the office, if you want to call them, Don Draper being the head of that, or at least one of the main heads, Sterling Cooper, um, sorry, Sterling being another. One of those. Um, we haven't met Cooper yet. But, um, and the young execs that are coming up. Um, Don even feels that these guys, you know, they're coming out of college. They're hungry for, you know, for, for, for power and their position in the company. Even Don mentioning, like, early on how he thinks that... He basically saying that he feels like He's going to lose his skill or talent when he's trying to think about Lucky Strike and nothing's coming and how the young execs are going to like, you know, just be salivating at his position or whatever, ready to take it. So you kind of feel this, you feel this protection, aggression that some of the older guys in the in the office are feeling when, when, when the new guys are around. So they try to keep them in their place a lot. Um, Pete being kind of like one of the main heads, really shooting for that spot. I really like the line that Pete said. Um, which I think is great because some of the older people in businesses do have this problem with younger people kind of coming up and being bigger, having bigger roles uh, in the company. Um, Pete says, which is a really simple line. He just says, "There's plenty, plenty of room at the top," which is so, which is such a such an easy but profound thing to tell somebody of more power. Like y you don't have to. You don't, this doesn't have to be a, you know, one man conquers all type of situation. We can all sit at the table, basically. You know what I mean? At, yeah. at certain capacities. And I, I really like, that's one thing that I like about Pete is that um, when rewatching the show or as we rewatch the show, you kind of see him as kind of the young buck trying to come up, trying to get, you know, further and further along, trying to find his way in the company, trying to find where he fits and um, I like that grind that Pete has to kind of get get to that position. Um, so I really enjoyed that. You, and the last example that I I noticed that Pete does it is that uh, the the sneaky thing that he does is getting the research out of uh, Don's trash can. But the thing is, he reads it, 
And old guard versus new guard. Old guard, Don looks at the research and thinks it's, you know, hogwash. It's like, this is from a woman. This doesn't make any sense. Like, I don't really believe any of this nonsense. You know, Psychology is a joke. From, yeah, psychology is a joke, especially coming from you. Pete has no problem and actually believes the research. Says, no, I actually, I actually agree with her. Which is a forward younger mental younger mentality thinking being like oh i i don't have an issue with psychology or research analysis data i think it makes sense to me like especially it doesn't matter if it's coming from a woman either like this is this is more that you'll see that that tug and pull of that old thinking and that new thinking so um, agreed that, that, that that's kind of uh piece that i noticed in this first episode yeah the uh there's plenty of room at the top is um it's, I don't want to say it's modern, but it is not from the 60s. That's Pete being a little ahead of his time, I think. Because I don't think right. you would have someone like Roger or Sterling say there's plenty of room at the top. Um, <laughs> right, right. I also think Pete only is saying that because it applies to him. If if he's in a position of power, I'm not sure he agrees with that statement anymore. Like, <laughs> right. he, he would be insecure. <laughs> I, I, it's interesting because Don, he projects this air of like being super high up in the company, but... If you notice, he's still middle management in this episode, which I'm not saying yeah, he gets Sterling promoted, says. But, but he's mm-hmm. middle management at this point. So he is more vulnerable in this episode because he's not like at the top. He's he's right there pretty much. He's ahead of Pete, but not by that much. So that's where yeah. his insecurity comes from. He's in a very vulnerable position, uh, at least in his mind. Where right. And he's but he's respected by Sterling because of the work that he's done previously yep. and how he's very cl- he's a very he's a clutch player, as they would say, yep. like a very clutch um, a piece to the puzzle. So, yeah, um, I think ultimately the thing I want to take away from this episode uh, and I want others to take away is that Don has this vulnerability when he's talking to Midge uh, and he really he kind of seems like he has imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. Uh, Absolutely. And, you know, it's just interesting that someone can be so put together on the outside and you see the box art of Mad Men and you say, this guy looks so handsome with his awesome suits and his mm. perfect uh, martini or whatever. Yeah, uh, he's the silhouette. But, but he's, yeah, he's a perfect silhouette, but then his actual, like, there's a scared, there's a scared boy inside this guy that's like, I'm a fraud, you know? That's the thing right. that I noticed in this episode. Um so yeah, that was Mod Men. That's it's our modern modern takeaways of this episode. I, I think we covered everything in just a really roundabout but cool way, Jala. Um Yeah. Anything absolutely. else I, you you wanted to say before we uh you know shut the door again, but this time on absolutely. our way out? Absolutely, absolutely. I, I just want to shout out the um the music in Mad Men. Uh we're gonna get a lot of more awesome music. Um the the ending song by uh I think it's Vic Damone uh, on the street where you live. That's the ending credit, uh, right? Right as uh, the the scene ends. Um, I love the crooner, you know, big band, uh, big band singer jazz music of the time. So I'm a huge fan of just the soundtrack of the show. We're gonna get more and more beautiful music from the show. End credits, mid mid show. Um, it's a lot of a lot of a lot of. Um, I don't I don't know if if they I think I don't know if they started but they were Mad Men was definitely one of those shows that really stood on the music aspect really holding the show together and piece and and, and making the music kind of fit with the narrative and you start to see that uh, a lot more now in shows 
you know, Euphoria is really big on the music being a big part of the show and the feeling of of of, of the show and or characters that it's that it's based in. Um, so shout out to Madman for the just really bringing bringing the music, um, that vintage music there. Um, really good yep. stuff. Yeah, and the uh, the actual soundtrack for the show itself is just big budget and it sounds awesome and it it elevates everything. So thank yeah, you for bringing absolutely. that up because it's a good point. Um, for sure. But yeah, a really pleasant walk down memory lane for me. Uh, great pilot, great start. Um, but absolutely. yeah, let's let's see where else we can go with these awesome characters. All right, everybody, we will come back next week with episode two, which is entitled, uh, I believe it's entitled The Ladies Room. Uh, yep. Today's today's episode that we talked about was directed by Alan Taylor, and it was written by Matthew Weiner. And the next episode is, uh, you know, let's see if it's, there's something that happens with pilots where um, the show gets picked up, and then the second episode is kind of a, like, pilot part two or a pilot 2.0, where it, has right. a lot of the same beats let's let's see what happens with this one um absolutely watch along everyone watch along it should be a fun ride remember the medium is the message see you next week adios this has been a destiny park media production If you like the show, please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. For more content, you can follow us on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. We're going to be posting video clips of your favorite podcasts, as well as glimpses at new music. And hey, drop us a line or send any questions you might have to destinyparkmedia at gmail.com.